The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Amen. Let's pray. Yes, God, um, we thank you for your word. God, that we can um, open up this book and see your promises. God, that we can see your love for us, that that. Before things began, God, that you knew um, your plan for us to save us, God, to free the prisoner, um, to take us out from darkness. Father, we just give you all the glory this morning. God, we thank you for the truth of the gospel and that we can come together as a church and read um, these truths together, God. God, we thank you so much. We pray um, that you just use Randall God, as we hear um, your word through him, Father. So we thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Brandon. All right, excited for you, man. So this week, I'm going to be doing their wedding. And and that's one of the cool parts about being a pastor, you know, being in this community now for seven years and being able to see uh, people grow from, like, they were college, like, he was a college student when I first met him. Now he's, like, full-on adulting, right? So it's, it's amazing to see what God is doing in his life. And then this past week, um, Billy, who's our worship leader, uh, him and Mary, they had their little one, uh, Caroline, uh, the other day. And so praise God for little Caroline coming into the world. Um, and Brooke last week. And so there, there's like a lot happening, you know, and, and our church is growing. That's awesome uh, to, to see. Uh, so uh, today, we're going to be continuing in the book of Isaiah, and this is a new series that we've been doing. Um, the, the series is the gospel in Isaiah, and really, we've been walking through the life of Isaiah last week, and then today, looking at some of the scriptures from Isaiah, uh, because in particular, Isaiah helps us to prepare our hearts for Easter. Believe it or not, Easter is, is about a month away, and uh, This book in particular helps us to prepare our hearts because, uh, as I said last week, the New Testament quotes Isaiah more than all the other prophets combined. 
All the other prophets combined. So Isaiah, there's a lot that we can learn from Isaiah. And today the question is, what can we learn from him about Jesus and the gospel? You know, the message of Christianity uh, doesn't just start in the New Testament, but it's written all throughout the Bible. It's one cohesive book. And so if you've got your Bibles today, we're going to be in Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. And our message is beholding the servant. Beholding the servant. If somebody were to come up to you and ask you, what is God like? What would you say? What do you believe God is like? There might be different pictures that come to our minds. But last week, we talked about in Isaiah 6, Isaiah had a picture of who he believed God to be, but he experienced God. And who he thought God was actually didn't match up with what he experienced. Because what we find is that Isaiah falls flat on his face and says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He experiences God in a fresh, new way, in a way that, that brought him to his, his face and says, I, I, don't, I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. And then he experiences grace and a forgiveness and a kindness that radically changes his life. A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so today, as you walk in here, what are the pictures that you have of, of God? And let me ask, do they match up with what we see here? So over the next month, we're going to be looking at um, these specific uh, prophecies in the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah writes about this mysterious figure called the servant of the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, we learn that the servant of the Lord is Jesus. And in Isaiah's book, we discover details and insights about the heart of Jesus and who Jesus is that are not found particularly in the New Testament. But it offers us a fuller picture of who God is because God's word is one cohesive message. So we learn about the servant of the Lord, Jesus, in Isaiah today. And so Isaiah 42, 1 through 9 is our text. And just to give some background here, this is uh, the first of what's called the servant songs. And the servant songs, or it's called the servant poems, or the songs of a suffering servant, are four songs in the book of Isaiah. You can find it here in Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, Isaiah 49, 1 through 6, Isaiah 50, 4 through 7, and Isaiah 52, 13 uh, through 53, 12. And so we're going to be looking at some of these songs. But I love it that it's, it's songs because you think about songs and, well, songs are meant to be memorable, right? They're, they're, meant, to be, they're meant to draw us in. And there's so something about this text that's meant to draw us in to help us understand more about who God is. And so from these songs, what do we learn about Jesus and who he is? Well, we learn 
three things. Number one, he's a humble ruler. Humble ruler. Number two, a wounded healer. And number three, a faithful conqueror. Humble ruler, wounded healer, faithful conqueror. And so the first one we can find in, the, in verses one and two, the humble ruler. Look what it says. It says, behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Now first, do you see who this is centered on? As we look at this text, like who is this centered on? Well, it's centered on God. God is the one that's speaking here. And and look what he says. He says, my, I, my, I. God is revealing himself and, 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 and something about him that we can learn today. And so that's where our focus has to go first, okay? And so God is, is centering this on, okay, in particular, the servant of the Lord. He's saying, this is my chosen servant. Now, within Jewish history, some believe that the servant here that he was talking about was the Jewish people. Um, but the way that this text is structured That's impossible. It's impossible. But that's how some interpreted this. See, it's pointing to one singular person because in the end it turns plural, but in particular right here, it's it's singular. And so it's pointing to not a group of people, but a single person. Now, I was talking with my barber this week. Somebody was making fun of me because my hair was so long last week. And so, like, I got to go see my barber. Um, but uh, we were talking, and, and he, was, he, was, he was asking me questions. He, he was saying, you know, like, I was, I was talking to one guy, and he was telling me that the Old T- Testament doesn't match up with the New Testament. He says, different. And so I said, no, it's actually not. Um, but maybe the understanding of, of what they understand about it may, might be confusing. I said, because back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, as sin enters the world... Uh, I said, did you know that there's a promise right there that there was a coming Savior? He's like, no, I didn't know that. I said, check Genesis 3.15. Because in Genesis 3.15, he says that it's going to be through, through his seed and through a woman. And the, basically the reversal of how the, the sin entered the world, it's going to be the reversal. And so now there's going to be a Savior that's going to come. And he's like, I never thought about that. And so what we see is that there, there from the very beginning, there was a singular Savior that was going to come from the very start. But there's some confusion amongst Israel that said, you know, it's only going to be us that's going to be saved, and we're the only ones that are, are, are the important ones. But the whole message from the, the, the very beginning was that God was coming to save the world. Because what did he say? He said he came to save the nations. The nations. And so as we look at this text, there's some things, the way that this, this first part is structured. And stick with me here, but this is important. That the, the way this language is structured is to remind us of a New Testament text. What is that text? Matthew 3.17. What happens in Matthew 3.17? It's Jesus' baptism. What does it say? Behold, 
a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What did, what did it just say right here? Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. What happens at Jesus' baptism? It says that the Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon him. What did John the Baptist say when he sees Jesus walking up? He says, behold, the, 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 the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. What this is telling us is like the first thing that we think that's important in life is we think about me. Me. What's going on with me? What's going on in my world? How's things going? What the scriptures tell us is you need to stop for a minute and behold something greater than you. And so what the scriptures tell us is, is, is we don't look like this anymore. You don't get anywhere looking like this, do you? Where am I going? What am I doing? I don't know. You know it's saying, behold, look up. Take your focus off yourself for a moment. This scripture is pointing and saying, behold, my servants. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Because first, we see that this is God's stamp of approval on Jesus. Jesus is the servant of the Lord, right? Like I talked about in the New Testament, it says that Jesus is the servant of the Lord. But there are two parts of this next section that we need to understand about him being a humble ruler. Okay, the first one is this. He says what he will do. Verse one, he will bring forth justice to the nations. So this word for justice is the word mispot. And it's not as much a legal sense of judgment or justice, right? Like we want justice to be brought in certain situations. No, but there's, what, he's, what it's saying is that he's gonna bring the foundation for what truth is. He's going to bring a sense of stability. He's going to bring the, the, the thing that makes us feel uneasy, he's going to bring stability to. See, what happens when sin enters the world? Instability. Brokenness. Where do you find Adam and Eve hiding from God, filled with shame, isolating themselves from God. What do we find? Bitterness. Pointing the finger at each other. Saying it's your fault, it's your fault. Do you see what's happened? Because when sin entered the world, there was, there, it just started to, to destroy mishpat, true stability, connection, See, the thing that we fight for so much, and we say, I want it. I, I want there to be like good friendships and relationships, but it seems like things just keep going like this. I want, I want there to be something where it feels like it's stable in life, but it's, it just keeps like, blowing up in my face. So he says that there's going to be one who's going to bring stability. He's going to bring justice. Who? To the nations. See, it wasn't just the Jewish people, but it was for everyone. It's for the world. And then we get to verse 2, okay? So, so he says, what, this is, first is what he will do, but second, what he won't do. Listen to this. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. What is this saying? Well, 
one commentator talks about this. He says there's three verbs here that are accumulative, right? It's stressing his quiet, unaggressive demeanor, not out to do- dominate and shout others down, not to advertise himself. What is the spirit of Jesus? Who, who is Jesus? Did, did he come to shout others down? Did he come to, to aggressively make things known about himself? No. What did, how did he do this? This is a great quote. I love this quote from Timothy Keller. This reminds me of like who Jesus is. He says, when God came to earth in the form of Jesus, he was born in a feed trough. When his parents took him to circumcision, their offering was two pigeons. The offering that was accepted for those of the lowest rung on the economic ladder Jesus was essentially homeless. He he said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He rode into town on a borrowed donkey. He ate his last meal in a borrowed room. He was uh, buried in a borrowed tomb. He was poor. He was poor. When we think about Jesus and what he did and what he came to do, how did he come? He came as a humble ruler. Like, he's the king of the universe, but he came like that. See, Jesus shook up everything socially and invited in the poorest of the poor. Essentially, God was saying, you don't have the education, an elite education like everybody else. You don't have the parents that are upper class. You don't have connections. You don't have prominent opportunities. He says, I can relate. I came to be a servant. I came to change the way this world operates at its very core. Jesus shakes up the the structure of the world and it shows us his heart. Do you know there was a study that was done that before before Jesus walked the earth, there's there's a book by John Dickinson. It it talks about, uh, the, the name of the book is called Humilitas. And in the book, he talks about um, that humility before Jesus entered the world was laughed upon, mocked. Um, anybody who, who promoted humility uh, was, was laughed at. But he said, um, a hum- there, studies show that there was a humility revolution that started When? 33 AD, right around when Jesus walked the earth, right when when Jesus was crucified, that there was a humility revolution that exploded. Why? Because the source of true humility is Christ. He's the humble ruler. There's something in our hearts that knows that this is the way, but there's everything in our in our society, in the way that we live, in our, in our nature that pushes against it. In high school, I went to a big high school. There's like 4,000 kids in this high school. And I remember there was this guy um, that I would see in the hall. I didn't know him. But you could recognize him because he had this huge birthmark all on his face. Just massive birthmark on his face. 
And he would wear clothes that um, weren't the latest fashion. It was actually pretty like old clothes. And um, I remember I was talking with uh, somebody because I did I never had a class with him or anything. But I was like, I was like, who is that guy? And I remember talking to somebody that like knew him from when he was like young. They went to school with him, went to the same middle school and all that stuff. And they're like, do you know something about him? They said, he's actually the richest kid in this school. Like he is. He, he said his house is like massive. But they said he's always dressed like that because he really wanted to know who his real friends were. And so basically what he was saying is, would you be willing to associate with me, not because of what I have, but because of who I am? And do you see that the king of the universe, the ruler of the universe, came and said, I'm going to come as a servant. And the question is, will you associate with me, not because of what I have, but who I am? That's what he's doing. You see, Jesus is a humble ruler. He, he rules. He reigns. He's the, the king of kings. He's the one that's seated upon the throne. Remember Isaiah 6. Who was that seated on the throne? It was Jesus seated on the throne. Yet he chooses to come like this. Secondly, wounded healer. Look at verses 3. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. What is God like? Well, first it says, a bruised reed he will not break. When it talks about a bruised reed here, we think about a reed that's bruised from the inside and there's internal damage that's done to this reed that makes it uh, beyond repair, worthless. And what this says about God is that a bruised reed, he won't break it. What this is saying to us today is, if you feel beat up on the inside, it, there's stuff that's going on in, in you internally that you are beaten up. And what the gospel says is this. It tells us to be real about that. To be honest. That internally I have bruising. I have brokenness. That honestly, without God, I am beyond repair. Right? Like, that's the reed. It, at that point, he says, a, a bruised reed. And what the gospel tells us is first, to be honest. Yes, internally, I'm broken. Yes, there's things that I feel like, man, days when I look in the mirror, I think, man, I'm worthless. I don't have it all together. But here's the good news. Here's what the message of Christianity is. Here's who God is. Jesus looks at you and says, I won't break you. But I came to heal you. Richard Sibbs wrote something called the bruised reed on this text. 
He said, if Christ be so merciful as not to break me, I will not break myself by despair, nor yield myself over to the roaring lion Satan to break me in pieces. Friends, you ever been so broken inside that you just think to yourself, it doesn't matter anymore. There's no way that I could get out of this. There's no hope for the future. The spiral that just keeps going downward. But that when, when the wounded healer looks at you, he says, there's potential. You're not beyond repair. You're just trying to fix the broken reed in the wrong ways. He says, but you got to let me come on the inside and start to do some of the work. Alec Mateer, commentator, he says, a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Uh, this, now, this is, this is what he says about this. This is, the negative statements imply their positive equivalents. He can mend the broken reed, fan into flame the smoldering wick. The formerly has been internally damaged. The, the latter lacks the internal nourishment of oil. The servant is competent to cure and to supply. What does it mean that a, a, a faintly burning wick he will not quench? A wick that's about to burn out needs something from the outside. So this is like the external, right? You ever been so tired that you're like, how am I going to make it through the day? In Isaiah, it says that youths grow tired and weary, but God lifts us up on his strength. What he's saying is that, yes, you might be bruised internally, you might be beaten up externally, but God has the power and the strength to come into your life and lift you up in a way that you could have never been lifted up. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That today there's, there's, a, there's a humble ruler, right? He's from heaven. He came in to serve. But it also tells us who he is in his heart, that he came to, to, to bind up the 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 hurting. Isaiah 61.1 says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus, as he's starting his ministry, goes into the temple and you know what he reads? He reads Isaiah 61. He says, you want to know what my mission is? I'm here to bind people up. If in your mind you think God's here, and if I'm honest about my brokenness, if I'm honest, he's just going to break me. I'm done. I want you to know that he didn't come to break you. He came to bind you. He came to bind you up. He came to... This is like the, the soldier who's out on the, 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 the field and they're, they're, they're wounded and, and, and the medic comes and starts to bind up their wounds so that they can keep going. They can get healthy. Christ came to be that medic. I was um, at lunch this week with one of my mentors. He's a great man of God in his 70s. He's uh, been pastoring for like 40 years. And um, he, 
we were, we were finishing up breakfast and he, he looks at the waitress and he said, I feel like God's impressed on my heart to tell you something. And she's like, okay. <laughs> He's like, I know. He's like, I'm an old dude. I don't, you don't know what I'm about to say. He said, but I just feel like I need to tell you today that God loves you. And she just kind of stepped back a little bit and was like, thank you. I needed that today. I needed that. See, somebody who's working in the service industry, and I'm just going to say a side note, says a lot about who you are, the way that you treat people who are in the service industry. Says a lot about who you are. People who are serving you at a restaurant or a hotel or anything like that. Because we serve a king who says he's a servant. This justice, what is this justice? It refers to something much bigger than just this rectifying justice, which we need. He's coming to bring what the Bible talks about is shalom, a wholeness. This is getting the root of the biggest problem. What's our biggest problem? Genesis chapter three, sin, where everything is put right in right relationship with God and everything else. What was Jesus' mission? To come and bring us in right relationship with the creator of the universe. Last point, number three, faithful conqueror, verse four. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And so again, here's what it says. He will not, he will not grow faint or be discouraged. I don't know about you, but this verse gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope. Because you ever felt like you get tired of yourself, right? You get discouraged when you look at yourself. You think to yourself, man, I should be further along than I am right now. I should be growing more than I am right now. Why am I still struggling with this sin? I've been a Christian for X amount of years. Do you know the beauty of this text? Here's what it says. That the servant of the Lord, Jesus, will not grow faint or be discouraged. What's, what's he not growing faint or being discouraged about? About your sin and my sin. That yes, you're, you may be downtrodden, you may be discouraged, but he's not. Because it says that he will establish justice. It's going to happen. says in the coastlands wait for his law see what this is saying is there's people that need to hear this message today there's people that need to hear that God loves you that God cared so much that he came to serve Romans 8 35 through 37 says this who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we'll be killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we shall be more than conquerors through him who loved us. See this point, that he is a faithful conqueror. 
It's not if, it's when. See, we can get so discouraged sometimes. But to know that God is not discouraged. But he's encouraging us. That God does not grow faint and weary, even when we're faint and weary. But he's strong and he's able. And so this servant of the Lord says he will establish justice in the earth. It's going to happen. Because as discouraging as it is to watch the news and to see what's happening in the world, to know that ultimately God is the ruler. God is the one who reigns. God is the one who's seated on the throne. And the the encouragement that I need is to remain focused on him, to behold him and know that he is the one who will establish justice and bring peace. And so just some takeaways. How can we apply this to our lives? I have three that I want to give you today. Uh, The first one is this. By remembering that as we behold God's servant, he shapes our character, so be encouraged. He shapes our character, so be encouraged. Here's what happens. As you start to behold who God is and what he's done and who Jesus is and what he's, he's done for you, it starts to change you from the inside out. Right? You, you start as this bruised reed. But, but when you know that he's not going to break you and you know that he came to love you, it starts to change you. In Christ... The bold, naturally, some of you are are really bold, right? Naturally, just bold people. But what he does, when he comes into your heart is he makes the bold people more tender, right? On the inside. For some of you that, that lack courage, the tender are made more bold. See, it's not about your natural bent of who you are, but that God makes you into something you could have never been. And you know what it says? It says that he doesn't give up in that work. But he is constantly making you more and more a person that looks like Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you with that, that if you're going through some difficult stuff right now, that if you're if you're feeling like there's challenges that are coming at you one after another after another, that it's not wasted, but that he's working. Second, he doesn't give up, so don't give up. He doesn't give up, so don't give up. Some of us today are feeling like we're ready to throw it in, like we're, we're finished. I think during this time and the, the season in this pandemic, I've Many have felt like, you know what, I'm a bruised reed because I'm starting to realize some of the trauma and things that I've been through in my past and I just feel really beat up right now. I feel super discouraged. I feel like I want to give up, right, because you've been holding it in for so long and you're like, man, I just don't know how to deal with some of this stuff and you're thinking, okay, I'm just tired of this. 
Or for some of you on the outside, you're just like, man, how do we, how do we push through? I, I just feel so tired right now. Just don't know how to make it. And I just want you to, to, to for a moment, Again, not the eyes down here looking at myself, but the eyes up here looking at and saying, behold the servant, behold what he's done for you, behold who he is. And that he hasn't grown tired of you. <laughs> that it says a, a bruised reed, he will not break. And a, a wick that's about to go out, he will not snuff out, but he, he'll fan it into flame. If you feel like your, your faith is struggling, like, man, I just haven't been reading the Bible like I should anymore. I just really need to get back on track that, man, it, it, this is a new day. It's a new day. And that God is at work. Dane Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lonely, we have that out here. If, you, if you've never read it, we have it out here for free at the Resource Center. But he says, do not minimize your sin or excuse it away. Raise no defense. Simply take it to the one who is already at the right hand of the Father, advocating for you on the basis of his own wounds. Let your own unrighteousness and all your darkness and despair drive you to Jesus Christ, the righteous, in all his brightness and sufficiency. Right, as you look and you say, man, I feel like discouraged. I feel like I don't have enough. What this should do is push us towards Jesus. To say, I need him in my life. That he is the one that's not going to turn me away. Because some of you, you say, man, if, if I were honest about some of the things I struggle with, if I told a friend or if I told a family member, if I told anyone, that they would just turn me away, that they wouldn't listen. But what we know first is that God is always there, willing to listen, willing to encourage, and so don't give up. And lastly, he heals our wounds, so live with purpose. He heals our wounds to so live with purpose. Henry Nouwen once said, no, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. Friends, when you look at yourself and you say, man, I, I don't know what I have to offer, I just want to tell you that there's somebody that needs to hear your story of how God's healed you, of how God's brought restoration in your life. And so when we see that Jesus is a wounded healer because it says that he go, went through every temptation that you and I would face, he suffered immensely. That's why there's the songs of the servant and what he would do. Then we start to look more like Jesus. We start to look more like him in the way that we treat others. We start to look more like him in the way that we live our lives. Friends, no, none of us escapes the woundedness, but will we allow him to heal us so that we can go help others? I want to finish with this, and this is really going to help us to put our focus back on, on Christ as we, we wrap up here. But Isaiah 42, 1 
the words of God, he says, behold my servant. Behold my servant. Like, look on him, like, focus on him. Look on my servant. I want to read this from Trevin Wax. He says, on a Friday morning 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood before the people and Pilate declared, behold the man. This is in John 19. It was the sixth day of the week, the day God created man. And now the second Adam, Jesus, was undoing the first Adam's sin. Adam was always meant to wear a crown. Now Jesus would wear one. Adam has been sentenced to toil among the thorns. Now Jesus would have those thorns twisted into his brow. Adam was ashamed of his failure and sought to hide behind fig leaves. Now Jesus would wear the purple robe and hear the taunts of the mockers. The hands of humanity that reached out for the forbidden fruit were the fists that beat the face of the precious Savior. Behold the man, Pilate didn't know what he was saying. Jesus is the perfect man, the image of the invisible God, the beginning and the end, the one in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, the one who shows us what God always intended humanity to be like. He is the one who takes the shame of our sins and bears the mockery of evil. Isaiah 42, 5. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out. The God that created the heavens and stretched them out. What happened to the God who who created the heavens and stretched them out? His hands were stretched out upon a cross. Who spread out the earth and what comes from it? Who gives breath to people on it? What happened to the Savior of the world? The, The humble ruler, as his hands are being spread Nailed to a cross, the one who gives breath had his breath taken. A spirit to those who walk in it. It says, as Jesus died, he says, Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. And what happens? Beholding the servant of the Lord, we see that he came, he died, but he resurrected. He was bruised, he was beaten. They thought he was snuffed out. But the light of the world comes bursting out three days later. And so the question is, what's gonna help us to keep going when things get difficult? What, what's gonna help us to keep going when we say, man, I'm just so beat up right now? It's when we behold the servant and what he's done for us, and that he came to heal us, not to break us. Do you believe that today? Let's pray. Jesus, we we pray that you will help us to behold the servant, to behold what you've done, to behold that you were broken for us so that we could be healed. Lord, if any of us today feel beat up, if any of us today feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm finished, I, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope, at the end of myself, Lord, I pray that you will lift us up, that you will f- fan into flame that, that candle, Lord, that needs to be lit up again. Lord, that you will be the one who, who comes and 
brings just um, an internal healing, Lord, that we couldn't find anywhere else. And Lord, that we find a place that's, that's safe to open up before you and know that you are able to bind up our wounds. You're the king. You're the ruler, Lord. And we thank you that you didn't just stay up there seated on a throne, but you came down from heaven to earth to be with us. Help us to see that clearer today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.